0: Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix.
1: It's now time to enter the sports zone with host Bob Kemp. Third oh. down and goal fake to Connor
0: Dobbs, retreats and floats for the end zone. It's Brown. It's a touchdown! There's a deep throw by Nix, got a man, lost it, and quickly, it's caught, streaking down the middle of the field, and in for a touchdown, on the ball to Troy Franklin! Oregon, an extra point away, tying the game! panic's going deep, Odunze turned around! And the one-two to Castellanos. Swung out hit in the air. Blasted deep to left field. No doubt about this one. Into the s- foot of the second deck, a solo home run. Nick Castellanos has hit his second solo home run of the night, and the Phillies are on top three to one. Strom is ready. And the left-hander's one-two. Swing and a miss. He got yes! him. <laughs>
1: Phillies come racing out of the dugout as Matt Strom has saved it. And the Phillies have beaten the Braves in the division series for the second year in a row. The Phillies will return to the National League Championship Series. It wasn't easy, and it wasn't conventional for the bullpen tonight, but they got the job done, a three to one win.
0: Kelsey Slot left. He is phenomenal in red zone. They go the other way, caught for a touchdown. Kadarius Toney into the end zone. So they finally break through. Dan Skipper, signed to the practice squad this week, was with the Colts in preseason, was with Detroit
2: last year. His game. Goff stops, loads, open Laporta. He's got it, and he's got his first NFL touchdown. Third and long, Mayfield off his back foot. Once Mike Evans got Mike Evans, touchdown Tampa.
0: And the three wide to the bottom to the wide side, that's where Moore's looking, and he's throwing it to the end zone,
1: and it is caught for a
0: touchdown,
1: Logan
0: Ninth play of the drive, a play fake, DJU with a dot to his tight end, Jack Belly. A surgical opening drive for Oregon State offensively after the defense got a takeaway on down.
1: Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-60-1060. Or eat the show at KDUS-AM-1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp on KUS-AM-1060. Welcome to the Friday, October 13th. Friday the 13th. The Friday, October 13th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUSAM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 Cardinals at Rams, who you got on Sunday? Oregon at Washington, who you got on Saturday? The Phillies, what was most impressive about their elimination of the Braves? The Chiefs, is their offense or lack thereof an issue? Also, pick any game on this week, uh, ATS on this week's pro or college football schedule, and what else has caught your eye since our last show. Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday, and moments have the introduction of this pipeline. 9 15, or so, around the Pac 12, topped by an Oregon and Washington preview with Ted Robinson of Pac 12 Networks. 9 30, interactive action at 602. 260, 1060, and also the local roundup, including some Diamondbacks and time pending, some Cardinals and Wildcat stuff. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by Rip from the headlines and also from the wire. Meanwhile, after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it'll be the Extra Point, hosted by Cable. that include the Friday spread and also our weekly NFL prop bet update this week with Kyle C of Pro Football Network. On to the pipeline we go.
0: Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion.
1: And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who you got Sunday in Los Angeles? Cardinals plus seven or the Rams minus seven? And Kayla's here and has the early returns.
2: 67% is on the Rams minus seven. Cardinals plus seven trailing at 33%.
1: Both these teams are below 500, but the two and three Rams, I think it's safe to say, have played significantly better than the one and four Cardinals, hence the seven point number. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question who you got Saturday afternoon in Seattle? Oregon plus three or Washington minus three? And Kayla, what's happening here?
2: Oregon plus three at 80% of the vote, UW minus three at 20%. This is on Twitter at kdus 8, 1060
1: Okay, a little surprised at that early uh, voting there. We'll see if that changes before we uh, get done just before noon. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 conference, kind of the round robin among most of the alleged contenders. Uh, that begins this week. Uh, and when was the last time a Pac-12 game in October uh, had the, really the National Game of the Week topic and flavor and billing and so forth? I don't remember. That. usually by October. In recent years, the pac 12 has already been eliminated from the college football playoff. Now they're actually talking about how can they get two teams in? They might not, They might cannibalize themselves before we get to the end of the regular season, which would be unfortunate. Meanwhile, on the local front, uh, the Diamondbacks did not get their wish. Uh, there will be no Phillies-Braves Game 5 on Saturday night after the Phillies got three solo homers to eliminate the Braves last night. What was most impressive about the Phillies eliminating the Braves in the NLDS for a second straight season? Meanwhile, spaying the globe, the Chiefs continued their dominance Broncos, but the 16th consecutive victory in the series, not that impressive, a 19-8 win for Kansas City, at Kansas City. Should the Chiefs be concerned about their lethargic? Let's, let's use that word, lethargic offense. Meanwhile, the NFL Sunday slate includes the 4 and 1 Lions at the 3 and 1 Buccaneers and the 3 and 1 Seahawks at the 2 and 3 Bengals. Saturday there are four top 25 matchups including Oregon at Washington, USC at Notre Dame, UCLA at Oregon State, all kinds of Pac-12 flavor there, and also the still-ranked Miami at North Carolina. Pick any game ATS on this week's NFL or college football schedule. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics that else also caught your eye since our last show. That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's Sensational Radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity, If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by Oregon and Washington and UCLA, Oregon State, Notre Dame, USC previews, all that and more with Ted Robinson. So stay tuned for that. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it is phone call time. General discussion at that point, whether you have uh, picks for the weekend, college or pro or anything else, 602-260-1060. Also uh, time pending depending on the phone call volume. We'll get to some local roundup. That'll be topped by some Diamondbacks stuff. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7.
0: The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from one to three m right here on KDUS AM ten sixty and online at KDUS
1: 1060com dot Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp and Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band on KDUS AM ten sixty and Kiss Lux HD two one hundred point seven. You're home to Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from six to nine a m. Pac-12 is included in three top 25 matchups this week out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by by Ted Robinson of Pac-12 Networks. And, Ted, always good to have you on the show. And you've been covering this conference for a few years. Uh, is this the most good teams you've ever seen in the Pac-12?
0: Yeah, Bob, it certainly is, in one year. At least in going back to the mid-'80s when I first started. I can't recall this depth. And it, and it or it, it revolves really around the quarterbacks. And if you think, Bob, for years we watched out in this part of the country, we watched an exodus of quarterbacks that went back east to play. Most recently, yeah. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, right, the top two guys in last year's draft. Well, now suddenly look who the top three quarterbacks in the league are this year. All three transferred, all three grew up back in the east or the south. And now Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and uh, Michael Penix are playing out here. So I I, I think, you know, it's, it's a – the confluence of a lot of factors that have led to this being the deepest year in
1: football. Okay, so speaking of Pennix and Knicks, uh, the first real big game in the conference over the next few weeks there's going to be like the next really big game probably in the next couple of weeks but the first big game is uh, Oregon at Washington this week. What what has impressed you the most about Oregon to this point of the season?
0: Yeah, having seen the most I'd say Bo Nix has absolutely impressed me more than than I imagined he would have, having just watched him occasionally on television. He's good. He's a better athlete. I think everybody who's watching him now should know that he's a better athlete than you would expect. Looking at him, he throws the ball accurately. He can throw the deep ball. I mean, we we rave about Penix with good cause, but I think Bo Nix. I you know, Bob, I say I'm surprised. I think some mock drafts, and we understand that those are a lot of mock as well as draft in them. But I've seen a lot with Bo Nix in the first round. With Bo in the round, and again, I thought something I would have imagined. So, he's impressed me. Um, Oregon secondary, which has been rebuilt a little bit, maybe better than I thought. And I think this game, a lot of this game, will come down to whether Washington can run the ball. If they can run the ball and not, which we've seen them in, even in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, close game we saw, they were able to run enough to keep Arizona's defense honest. They'll
1: have to do that against Oregon tomorrow. Okay. I I still – this game was several weeks ago, but the Oregon-Texas Tech game still kind of is in my brain a little (laughs) bit. Uh Uh-oh. They are are playing on the road this week in Seattle, so should I just forget about that game in Lubbock and I'm okay with Oregon on the road?
0: (laughs) No, you shouldn't, Bob, and I'll tell you, the history of this one's scary because has won seven of the last eight games they've played in seattle that's incredible mm. in a heated yeah. you know you can look around the country bob all the great rivalries and this is you know this is oregon 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 washington rather is the hated rivalry But so you never see one team win that many games in the other team stadium like this so that's the thing to me that i i you know i'm just a human being that says washington can't keep losing on their home field not when they're this good
1: Okay, Washington's offense obviously explosive. Defense not so good. <laughs> so, how much concern is there with the uh, with the Washington defense here?
0: Yeah, that that that's an issue because I, what I said about Oregon's secondary being better, Washington's I think is still in a prove it mode. So, yeah, can Oregon throw the deep ball? Which you know they started the year their first couple of games, Oregon didn't show very much, and they threw Bo Nix threw a ton of short, quick, underneath balls, and they've started to roll out the deep ball a little bit more. And here's the other thing. We Bob, we've all seen this long enough. Both teams are coming off a bye. So you know, yes. they've targeted this game since last spring. They circled it and you know both teams have saved stuff for this game. So both will show things we've not seen yet.
1: Well, you're tapping into my notes cuz that's the next thing I was going to bring up. Yeah. Uh they're both coming <laughs> yeah. off a bye. year round coaches all the time. What do they do that extra week that they have the bye?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Um, in my time in the NFL, I, I know that's the word you'd hear every three minutes on the week where a team didn't play was self-scout. This was the week we're yeah. going to stop focusing on everybody else and actually just look at what we've done and where we need to be better and what else can we do. So I assume the college is is in the same mode, with less hours, obviously with players, but I would think that's it. And and again, I just know because that's been this has been such a conversation in the conference, Bob, in recent years has been scheduling and teams playing uh, road games on short weeks, not having a buy before the game. You know this was done intentionally, absolutely done intentionally. And again, I guarantee that you know these both of these schools have had a separate file that kept on their on uh, you know in their tablets or on their desktops for this game. Mm. and this is still putting in this file back in at the end of spring ball, and we're not going to show anybody this until. October fifteenth or (laughs) fourteenth.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Talking Pac twelve with Ted Robinson. Okay, UCLA at Oregon. Uh, How has the UCLA defense become this good?
0: Well, Bob, that's the most stunning thing, and I I was at the Rose Bowl last Saturday, and I couldn't believe what I I could not believe what I saw. I mean, that was by far the best defense I've ever seen a Chip Kelly team have, college or pro. They dominated game and. Uh, UCLA has a player, Liatu Latu, who wears number 15. If you watch the game tomorrow, watch him because he played last Saturday. It reminded me of watching Kayvon Thibodeau when he was at Oregon, where this mm. one guy was, was dominating. He was wrecking the offensive game plan. They had to know where he was. They had to figure out how to try to block him. They couldn't ask one to block him. Uh, and so what UCLA did last week is they got pressure with three rushers. Three. Rushing wow. six blockers. Now that's partly on Washington State's offensive line too. You have to say, but still, I mean, you will win ninety percent of the time if you can pressure with three rushing and eight in coverage. So again, to Oregon State now, can Oregon State counter that? Now, what the Beavers have that Washington State doesn't? U C or Oregon State can run the ball. Danny Martinez, terrific. Fenwick's a good second back. So UCLA is mm-hmm. going to have to defend the runs. uh, tomorrow night which they didn't have to against Washington State but I'll tell you this if UCLA wins tomorrow night Bob they are have a great chance to get to their UFC showdown with a lot on the line because remember UCLA does not play Washington and they do not play Oregon they have a huge schedule advantage this year
1: no doubt uh Dante Moore you you saw him last week obviously but in two Pac-12 games, he's 37 for 79, less less than seven yards per attempt. He's got a couple of pick sixes. Is he ready for Saturday night in Corvallis?
0: Yeah, that's, that's to your question from the washington Oregon game, I think that's the big one because the one road game he's played so far was at Utah, and that was a tough, it is a tough place to play. The crowd was great, and he struggled. Dante Moore struggled. So he's going to see a similar atmosphere tomorrow night in Corvallis. Um, Yeah, right now he's probably playing ahead of when he should. Everyone raves him. The UCLA coaches we were with last week, they all rave about his makeup. We actually spoke to him. Uh, UCLA allowed us to speak to him the day before the game. He's mature, poised, presents himself right. That's the way he's handled himself in practices and in the locker room from everything we're told. On the field, as you mentioned, he's made some mistakes, the kind of mistakes right now that it's it's hard for him to win big. When the quarterback makes those kind of errors, so uh, I, I UCLA right now is in this weird position again for Chip Kelly team to be their defense and their run game because they can run the ball. Those are the two things they are going to have to carry them.
1: Oregon State, fifteen and one in the last sixteen games at home, and that loss was a winnable game last year against USC. You know, every team seems to be better at home, but why are that? Why are they that much better at home?
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great call, and I saw that note this week too, Bob. And I, I had forgotten that. And actually, the USC game, I called that one last year. Which you're right that was that was there for them to win. Um, last yep. year, they had the funky deal where half the stadium was shut down because they were renovated. Yeah. I've not yet been there this year to see the finished product, but the fans, they were great. And it's you know, I I, I do believe this year you have. Well, I'll tell you this about the field. You know, one thing about Oregon State's football field that doesn't get talked about enough, it is a throwback football field, Bob. There's a crown on that field. And those of Ooh. us of age, <laughs> remember yeah. when, AstroTurf, when AstroTurf became the norm in the 70s, that for drainage reasons, the fields mm-hmm. all had crowns, meaning there was basically a hump at the center of the field. And most of those have gone away. in The newer turf setups, most of the field flat, not Corvallis. And you stand on the center of the field of the 50-yard line, and you look to the sideline, you're throwing the ball downhill. and it's, it's weird when you're not used to it. So I I, I don't know how much that affects, because I've asked Jonathan Smith this question in recent years. And he's not sure either how much it affects visiting quarterbacks because you're not used to it. They are. Um, but the other thing you can say is, just like watching.
1: Okay, we're to try to see where you're reconnect with Ted if we could reconnect with him this is a problem at uh, this time in the morning in this segment for whatever reason same thing happened yesterday so that's our problem so hopefully we can fix that at some point we'll try to reconnect with Ted here in just a second also uh, when, you know, when we're done with the the Oregon State discussion which we're pretty much done with the Oregon State discussion uh, we'll get into a little USC and Notre Dame and Ted certainly is uh, familiar with that because he's you know seen USC and he went to Notre Dame uh, back in the day. Back with Ted and uh, so the Oregon State thing, we were just kind of, we kind of wrapped up that as far as, uh, yeah. you know, that was the last part I was going to get to that. So USC and Notre Dame, uh, you're familiar with USC, you've seen them. You're a little familiar with Notre Dame, being a Notre Dame guy. Uh, so first up is their hope for the USC defense, that it improves and what's up with the tackling?
0: Bob, there you go. I, I watched I was talking about this tonight with our crew. We're here in uh, Spokane heading down to Pullman today for the, the game in Washington State tomorrow. But anyway, I watched the game twice last Saturday night. And the, the second half tackling by USC was atrocious. Arm tackling. Jonah Coleman was running through people like like they weren't there because they were trying to arm tackle. That's not scheme. And I don't know if that's the defensive coordinator. That's the players. And and how you change that is, is the magic question. But my goodness, it was it was terrible. And and i got to say, Bob, I did the first two games at USC this year. We were at a USC practice, which not many people get a chance to do, but Lincoln Riley allowed it. They have more talent on defense this year than they did last year. They're not playing that way right now. That's very clear. Um, you know, they've, they've been exposed a little bit. they tossed talked up this freshman linebacker, Tackett Curtis, uh, raved about him in the spring, raved about him in fall camp. He got taken out of the game. Aaron was running right over uh, last Saturday mm-hmm. night. They had to take him out and play Shane Lee, the old Al- uh, old Alabama linebacker, who's a bigger-bodied guy. But yeah, USC's, USC's defense was a problem. And I'll tell you what surprised me Saturday was their offensive line didn't have a great night. And this, to me, would be the one thing that Notre Dame can do to win the game tomorrow. Notre Dame's defensive line is pretty good. Uh, if they win that battle decisively against USC's O-line, that could swing the game. Notre Dame's really troubled because their wide receiver's position is very thin. Very thin. And, you, you know, Bob, you got to score points to beat USC. You're not going to beat them 17-14. So uh, can Notre Dame score 30? plus that's going to be, to me, be a, a, a big question, given that their wide receiver position isn't, isn't a great amount of help from right now.
1: It's also Notre Dame's eighth game already without a bye. They don't have a bye until next week. Uh, they looked out of gas last week. I thought against uh, against Louisville. Does uh, do they refuel because it's a USC game this week at home?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I I've heard, uh, I didn't see the game last week because we were working. But I've heard that comment from a lot of my my close ones. It's the same thing. Notre Dame looked at gas, and um, yeah, they you know, play back to back roadies against teams that were fired up, teams that are playing well, coming off the Ohio State debacle. So yeah, that that's fair question look the usc rivalry is one of those having lived through it it means a ton to the students uh it means a ton to the alumni to the current players that's always a challenge because they're not a part of it <laughs> they've never been a part of it i'm here to play at this school for four years or so uh, can you get them to buy in and I, I think forever that it's been a challenge on both sides to this game
1: all right. Uh, you mentioned uh, you, you know, you've got the uh, U of A and the uh, Washington State game tomorrow night. Uh, the U of A—they've uh, last couple weeks. You know they hung in there against Washington. I think they could have beaten USC. Uh, what does the U of A need to do to get over the hump, so to speak, take that next step and win, win, win one of these games?
0: Yeah, the, the, Bob, you hit it. Back to me, is that's the story of Arizona ball right now. They are where Oregon State was about a year ago. At some point, you know you're getting better, you know you're improving, but at some point you have to win the close games. And Arizona hasn't quite gotten there yet. I, I truly felt last Saturday at the Coliseum, Arizona was the better team. Watching that game that night, watching it twice, Caleb Williams is the best player, and he won the game. But Arizona was the better team. So Jed Fish has things going right. Their defense is way better this year, they overhauled much of it. There's only, I think, three starters back from last year's team, and they're playing better. They're getting pressure. Uh, they have a really good linebacker. You'll see him if you watch the game, number five, Jacob Moner who's a Southern California kid. He's really blossomed as a sophomore. What do they have to do tomorrow? They can't let Washington State run the ball. The Cougars have struggled terribly to run. They have been one-dimensional, and you know, Arizona has to make sure that continues. And then, to me, the other test is going to be, how does Cam Ward bounce back? Because this is a kid that last Saturday, uh, the, mm. the, big, the Heisman quarterbacks on one of the big shows, Liner and Brady Quinn, were starting to talk about him you know nationally. Could he be in the Heisman race? And he went out and didn't play very well at the Rose Bowl Saturday. So it's his first test. When your people are talking about you in that light, how do you rebound? Uh, Cam Ward has to rebound well for the Cougs tomorrow.
1: One more thing about that U of A-USC game. Were you surprised that Jetfish didn't go for two in the win at the end of the first overtime?
2: Yeah,
0: you no, know, I was watching it live on an airplane, actually, flying home, and I was like everybody. I was thinking, you know, do you do it here? Do you just go for the win here? Um, and I was – yeah, so, I, you know, I was, I was mildly surprised. It wasn't a grievous thing. But I thought this is the gamble right now, one play to win the game. Uh, I would, I loved his, his – um, Explanation during the week, Jed Fish said. You know, if I were the offensive coordinator, I'd say, "Yeah, let's do it right here." And he said my defense <laughs> was playing well, and they were. The defense had done a nice job in that game uh, against the explosive offense. So he tried, it. and uh, ultimately, the one play that they had run successfully—they had run that in the third overtime—the the run, the toss play—they had run successfully all night. One lineman missed the block on USC's middle linebacker Mason Cobb, That's, that, that But that's the problem when you get into college overtime. Now it becomes like penalty kick soccer. You know, there's the margin of error is that it was one. It's literally one play.
1: You missed the block on the one guy from USC that can't tackle. That's not a good thing. thirteen, exactly. That's
0: exactly right. Mason Mason Cobb's a good player. Good call, Bob.
1: Yeah. Okay. One more quick thing. I think I'm going to ask this contractually at some point, I guess, probably somewhere in the fine print. ASU has one win. I'm not sure they to win another game. Uh, Kenny Dillingham and Hayden inherited a mess. There's no doubt about that, but there's some talent on this roster. Should, are you surprised they have just one win?
0: You know, and it's hard. This is hard, Bob, because I haven't seen them yet. I don't know if we'll see the Sun Devils. But I'll see them in person, I should say, this year. I watched some of the Colorado games. And they're playing. I mean, it's, it's like watching Stanford right now. They're undermanned, but the kids are playing. And you've got to give the coach first year coach in actually both cases, Stanford and Arizona State. You give them credit for that. Um, the quarterback thing is the difficulty. I mean, you can't revolve, you know, yeah. different quarterbacks every week. That, that to me, is just. I, I, I'll talk to you I'm blue in the face about this. It's Parcells' grade line. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Man. And and Kenny's <laughs> had three this year. So so I, I'm a, I'm intrigued at ASU Bob about Pine because Pine quarterback Notre Dame last year had some big games and yeah. and won. I mean they won some big games. So to me there's there's a reason there because Trent Borgate's a wonderful story. Great kid. We all know the story. The local walk up Drew Pine's a, a scholarship quarterback coming from Notre Dame. If he's not playing, I, I don't know what that's about. But To
1: me, that as an outsider, I'm pulling. All right, Ted. Always good talking to you. Have fun in uh, Pullman, and uh, you know, I see Pullman successfully. That's just me that's talking eight. there. So, well, so. No,
0: know. we love we love Pullman. Go, go, go bees!
1: That's our conference. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Okay, thanks, Ted. We'll talk again. I'm thanks, sure during but, the season. Th- 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 thanks. Great, Todd. Thank you. Take care. All right, Ted Robinson, Pac-12 Networks, there you go. Big weekend for the conference, and really, you know, like I mentioned, it's kind of the, this is the first big game of the year. It's the game of the year in the Pac-12 for this week, for this year. Uh, if this uh, goes the way that they want, uh, there's going to be many big games here in the next few weeks. Uh, my concern is that they're going to cannibalize themselves and not have anybody in the college football playoff, but uh, hopefully not. Because it would be interesting if uh, you know, if, if, somebody, if somebody emerges from this group of teams, and there's like five teams you can make a case, if swimming cam rising ever plays, uh, that uh, could be pretty good. So uh, it's the best it's been in a long time. That's No doubt about that. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. We'll get to a little local roundup depending on the phone call volume. Uh, we'll have a little on the Diamondbacks. We do uh, now officially know what the schedule is uh, for the uh, National League Championship Series. Not the off days that they had, which you know they used to their advantage and good for them. Uh, not the off days that they had in the, uh, in the NLDS against the Dodgers, but uh, we know what the schedule is now, so we'll get into that uh, for just a brief period of time, and we'll see what else we can get into in the next segment. Once again, you're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS 1060 and KS Lux H2 100.7.
0: Extra point with local and national topics, betting lines, and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060. ktus 1060com and the KTUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup.
1: Welcome back to the Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, is phone call time to the KDUS hotline, 602-260-1060. So you get your phone calls in just a couple seconds. First up, we now know the schedule, uh, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. Uh, that series begins on Monday. And uh, not the off days uh, that they had uh, that worked out to the Diamondbacks' advantage. And plus, you know, they took care of business, obviously, against the Dodgers. By the way, this whole series is on TBS uh, for the uh, you know, television uh, audience out there. Uh, the series uh, starts in Philadelphia. The first two games are Monday and Tuesday. Then the off day on Wednesday and the next three games on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday—you uh, know, Thursday the 19th, and Friday a week from today—and then Saturday the 21st. Those games are at Chase Field, and then, if necessary, the final two games after an off day on Sunday will be Monday and Tuesday in Philadelphia. So, once again, not the—you uh, know—not the off days that we had in the, uh, the last series. I want a quick thing here, the uh, Cardinals still seven-point home, uh, excuse me, seven-point road underdogs, I should say, against the Rams. Uh, the Cardinals announced uh, you know, yesterday, and we mentioned it during the extra point, and Caleb brought this up, My J. Sanders activated off the IR list, uh, and uh, they got 21 days uh, for him to play, or I'm not sure what has to happen. I think they just he can't play for the rest of the season if he's not playing in 21 days. But there's that. Also, one other quick thing from yesterday, Marquise Brown, who was out on Wednesday because of an illness, was a limited participant on Thursday. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? I'm good.
2: That uh, Thursday game is a 2 o'clock start here, um, which I Ooh, found interesting good. as I was looking for, uh, for potential uh, tickets. So, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: just wanted to mention that. That's Um, good for me. I mean, that means uh, they're not staying up till like 10 o'clock watching, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know. (laughs) The early bedtime thing for me is becoming important. (laughs) Um, I wanted to
2: talk a little bit about Philadelphia's home field advantage. Um, Thinking and trying to recall maybe the best since the Yankees in the late 90s when they had their run, but I I was more so thinking that that's because the Yankees were – so good. Not to say Philadelphia is not good, but seems more crowd-related, nation-related, and I was trying to recall uh, a home-field advantage in baseball that was similar. The only thing I could maybe come up with was uh, Minnesota when they were in the, uh, the Metrodome. Uh, do exactly. you have any opinions or thoughts on that?
1: No, that's exactly the example I was going to use, so great okay. lines think alike there. Uh, but it also... I don't think uh, all the you know even the twins. I mean they had you know Erickson and you know, he was a tremendous pitcher back it in was. those days. It also helps a lot when you have really good starting pitching. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> true. Yeah, and certainly the the Phillies have had that the last couple of years when they yeah had an advantage back in the uh, in the first decade of this century. Uh, sure. You know Roy Holiday pitching Hamels. in those games a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. and you know, Cole Hamills. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So, so yeah. Yeah. So that helps a lot. I mean, it's uh, maybe the crowd doesn't get all jacked up if, you they don't have success early in the game and don't gain a lead or still have a chance. But, uh, and then there, I think their offense is very good. And, uh, you know, they, they, they clearly were better than the Braves, at least at this time of the season. I'm not so sure if they played a series, if the Braves were healthy, that this would happen. Uh, Certainly, the Braves could have used Charlie Morton uh, for sure, and it's not like it's not like Strider pitched poorly when he gave up four runs in two games, and they lost them both to Ranger Suarez. Uh, So yeah, but I think it's uh, there's no question that the crowd has made a difference. But I think uh, all those things you mentioned, and all the home field advantages, the Yankees were just a great team. Yeah, Uh, but uh, starting pitching, I think has plenty to do with the home field success. Kind
2: of think Ranger Suarez is sneaky underrated, by the way. Um, kind
1: of like yeah, that, uh, ground ball uh, guy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, about the college football, Oregon, Washington, obviously the marquee matchup. You've uh, done a, a good job here early of uh, kind of dissecting it a little bit. Um, watched a lot of these teams. Um, I think Oregon's better on both lines of scrimmage. Um, I yeah. don't think Washington can run the football. I do think Oregon can run the football. I think that might be the difference in the game. I do wonder if the re-configured, you know, configured, constructed secondary of Ducks is a little bit underrated. Um, and I've gobbled up every three and a half I could find early on look-ahead when Washington was playing and killing everybody and um, lines moved accordingly. So I'm on the Ducks here. Do you have any thoughts? Um, on yeah, I like them a little of-
1: bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I like them a little bit too. Uh, the thing that does concern me I brought up with Ted, that Texas Tech game just kind of I can't get that out of my mind. Uh I that was like the the one good team, I don't even think they're not any good either. They're they've turned out to be one of the most hyped and overrated teams yeah. in the country before the season started to now. But that game bothers me a little bit, but I you know, Washington's 94th in the country in pass defense. They yep. have no pass rush. None. I think that's part of the reason, that, you know, I think their secondary has been, you know, tr- you know justifiably questioned. But Absolutely. I don't know if there's a secondary in the world that can cover forever if you have a, you know, defensive front that can't right. get to the quarterback. Yep. <laughs> so good so luck thing, with that. But uh, the thing yeah, I'll so say that, about
2: that Texas Tech game, um, a lot of that was uh, there was a lot of success that Tyler Shuck had running the football. Um, And Michael Penix doesn't do that, nor does he have to. That's true. But uh, I wonder if, you know, Washington has great receivers, though,
1: and three of them. Yep. And McMillan's back this week. Yeah. So he's he's actually been out, and he's the best of them all, as I can tell. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, I will admit. Uh, But, yeah, that's – that's interesting. I think that Oregon has advantage here. I just wish I had not watched that Texas Tech game. I'm on them. I bet them a little bit at plus three. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I didn't go crazy because I still have that Texas Tech game in my mind.
2: Uh, UCLA, Oregon State, extremely intrigued with that one. Um, I think UCLA's defense is real. I know the competition up until last week wasn't very good, but they dominated a very good Washington State offense. Um and combining that with the prints that Oregon State has to uh, run football, grind games out. Um, I know you talked about Dante Moore on the road. We still haven't seen it in hostile environments, and that's going to be
1: one. He hasn't even of, been good at home. I mean, he's true. played two Pac-12 games. He's going to pick six, both of them, one on the road at Utah, the other last week yep. against Washington State, which should have gotten beat in that game. Uh, but uh, I don't think he's ready for this. I mean, I – I have an investment in Oregon State to win the conference, and that's probably and not going to happen. But, agree. but I'm still, yeah, you know, I already got that, so I'm going to double down on them in this game. But I would be surprised if UCLA went in there and won the game.
2: I agree. I kind of expect a low kind, of low scoring, kind of grinded out game. Considering I what we talked about. Okay, I I, yep. I thought yep. the, I wanted to see if you agreed. There, appreciate it as always. Bob. Enjoy the weekend.
1: You too. Thank you very much. So we'll see how that goes. And obviously a big Pac-12 weekend. We'll cover those games and much more during the extra point hosted by Kayla on uh, this uh, you, know, you know spread Friday. Uh, so stay tuned for that in the next couple of hours. Well, I got one segment today. That'll be uh, in this hour, the uh, sports. It'll be the national roundup. We'll get to a little bit from the football game last night. That was bad. Football last night, and uh, the Chiefs' offense. Whew, we've won, kind of wondered about that last week. They scored one touchdown against the worst defense in the history of the NFL. I'm not exaggerating too much because at least heading into last night, the uh, the Broncos were, you know, their numbers. If you just you know, space them out over seven games, uh, really historically on pace to be the worst defense in the history of the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, one touchdown in that game. Okay. Maybe some problems in the offensive line again in Kansas City and not just the right tackle. Now KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX D2.
0: That's right, HG Radio on 100.7 channel number two.
1: it's time for today's national roundup welcome back final segment today. sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS am 1060 and Castle X HD 2 100.7 quickly a combination of rip from the headlines and from the wire Clayton Kershaw over the last 24 hours has refused to answer questions about retirement rumors unless that's changed since like seven o'clock this morning that's a uh, over the last 24 hours, from the time the Diamondbacks eliminated the Dodgers until, like, 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, to my knowledge, he had refused to answer questions about the retirement year. I remember. All right, Bruce Bochi said he was encouraged by Max Scherzer uh, during his off-day throwing session yesterday, but Bochi was not ready on Thursday to declare that Scherzer will be on the playoff roster uh, for the next series, the league championship series against Houston. Meanwhile, from the NFL, Chargers quarterback uh, Justin Herbert, speaking to reporters for the first time since he fractured his left uh, middle finger on his known throwing hand, which was a couple of Sundays ago because they had a bye last week. He uh, says he does not expect it to be restricted in the week six game against the Cowboys. That's on Monday night. Meanwhile, the Nevada Supreme Court plans to soon hear the NFL's appear, appeal, I say, of ruling that denied. A request to move uh, former Raiders coach John Gruden's lawsuit against the NFL from a public courtroom to a closed-door uh, uh, you know, arbitration type of thing—that could get ugly. Uh, there's going to have to if people are testifying and so forth about you know the things that allegedly went on in the Gruden situation. That could uh, there could be people around the league. Uh, that could be affected by that, and not just uh, you know Gruden and the Raiders and whoever else. Meanwhile, college football. Deion Sanders. He likes the uh, loves attention. I think we all agree with that. Not a big fan of tonight's 8 p.m. Mountain Time start against uh, Colorado hosting Stanford. Uh, who makes eight o'clock games? Question mark. He said yesterday, dumbest thing ever, uh, stupidest thing ever invented in life. Who wants to wait uh to stay up until eight o'clock for a darn game? That was his comments from yesterday, so there's a you know first time ever, I think on you know, his playing career or coaching career didn't the attention. So that's good. Meanwhile, from the NBA executive vice president and the head of basketball operations, Joe Dumar, is one of my favorite players ever in his Pistons days. I hated the Pistons team because they were all thugs and he was a, you know, class human being and a really good player. Uh but that's you know, he's now the NBA. He said that the league is uh communicated to its players and teams, uh, that they're really emphasizing that this is an eighty two game season and that the league is obviously there's you know, this you know, the uh, the fact that key players sit out many games and load management and so forth, there's no question that this whole thing, this emphasis from the NBA, is because their current television contract expires at the end of the 2023-24 season, and they want their players to be on the floor more often before they have to negotiate a new television contract. Meanwhile, the Phillies win again last night. Nick Castellanos, the first player to have multiple home runs in consecutive postseason games. They win 3-1, to one, eliminate the Braves for a second consecutive year in this round of the postseason. Got a little hairy there in the 8th and the ninth innings, but they got out of it. I was I thought that maybe Thompson might have gone to his you know, key relievers early, but they got by. Uh, the Braves, by the way, have now lost 11, excuse me, 10 of their last 11 elimination games in playoffs over the years. And we'll get to the Chiefs in uh, the uh, loser last night against the Broncos during the extra point, so stay tuned for that. All right, that's it for the, uh, the uh, sports zone for today. Uh, so stay tuned for extra point, You're hosted by Kayla. That's coming up next, including the Friday sprint. And also our weekly NFL prop bet update this week with Kyle Sapi from Pro Football Network. More phone call time also, 602-260-1060. This has been the SportsZone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.